Welcome back to the Upper 90 Football Podcast, providing American coverage and opinions on all things football. I'm Justin Ruderman. And I'm Bobby Anderson. And we have reached our 60th episode, and of course, we have a big one for you with our World Cup predictions in preparation for the World Cup about to start in less than a week now, Abby. Um, of course, if that's what you came for, skip to that. Uh, there are chapters in this video, and that we'll do those at the end of the video, so if that's all you want to see, just skip there, because we have to start, Abby, with our game of the week from last week, and it is... Our Manchester City against Chelsea in the Carabao Cup, EFL Cup, whatever you want to call it. Um, and City came out as 2-0 winners, um, thanks to Riyad Mahrez and Julian Alvarez, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mahrez playing a part in both, of course, because it was his shot that you know uh, Alvarez got the rebound on and scored. Um, but it wasn't that comfortable, was it, for City? Uh, I mean... I feel like there were certain moments where Chelsea got on the attack, but it was never really quite as threatening as City was. So, Mm -hmm. at least in my opinion, I felt like we were going to win that one the whole way through. Really? Okay, so for me, in the first half, I I actually thought um, Chelsea were the better side. I I really did. City had more possession, always will, but... The better chances were coming to Chelsea in that first half, I thought. Um, you know, Pulisic was, was causing problems, wasn't able to finish them. Um, but I, I really thought that Chelsea were getting in, in better positions. I think they had, you know, three big chances in that first half to City's like one or something like that. And uh, throughout, you know, the first 15, 20 minutes, it was just, I don't know, City were dominating the possession, but not getting the better of it. And so. For me, I, I was a little bit worried, but it was uh, a feeling where it's like I'm confident against Chelsea, and I'm mm-hmm. confident that even in, we'll find a way through um, because I don't think Chelsea are, are that great going forward, and that ended up being the difference. You know, City got a couple, but I think you know Chelsea had chances. They could have gotten a couple themselves if they would have been more clinical. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely true that Chelsea had some pretty good chances, but like you were saying, the confidence against Chelsea, mm-hmm. I just feel like... They're not the same side that they have been. Yeah. And so and it wasn't their first choice eleven not either. Really, yeah, not really anything too scary from them. No. And I think the result reflected that. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. It definitely wasn't uh, as bad of a performance as we saw at the weekend in the Premier League, which we'll get to. Um, but it, it was um, the end of a, a streak in the day for London clubs uh, on Wednesday because... Five London clubs played in the EFL Cup on Wednesday. Five London clubs lost in the EFL Cup on Wednesday. Um, all the way from Arsenal, who are at the top of the league, and then Chelsea ended the day. Um, but it was you know Palace, Spurs, West Ham, big clubs going down. Uh, e- even Liverpool needed penalties to get past Derby County, obviously not London club. But there are now no London clubs left in the EFL Cup. Yeah. Which is crazy because you look at those matchups and you'd say at least three of them, the London club should have been winning those. Oh, absolutely. Arsenal should have beaten Brighton. Spurs should have beaten Forest for sure. Um, and West Ham obviously should be beating Blackburn Rovers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Chelsea have a chance uh, against City. It's Palace for sure have a chance against Newcastle, although they've been playing fantastically again at the weekend and we'll get to. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean... It's just an embarrassment for London. 
It is. That's, yeah, that's wild. So we have no London clubs going forward uh, in this competition. Uh, just weird. But it, it is the City Bow Cup, so hopefully we'll be able to lift it again at the end of the season. It's too bad that it, uh, we're not as guaranteed in the Premier League, though, because that result on the weekend did not look good, Justin. It didn't. It didn't. I said that in the first half. Uh, City were on the better side against Chelsea. Well, City really weren't very good in the first half uh, against Brentford, were they? Especially those uh, first 15 minutes before the Brentford goal. Uh, it was just really poor all over the pitch mm-hmm. for Manchester City. And I think it didn't really pick up at any time in that first half. Um, it was a little bit you know, rescued by Phil Foden and that cracker that he scored at the end of the first half to get City back into the game. And as I'm sure you felt at halftime as I did, well, okay, City get back into it, got the goal that we needed before halftime, leveled it, and then in the second half, pick it up and smash Brentford, and it'll probably end up 3-1, right? Definitely hoping for that momentum shift with the Foden goal saving us right before halftime. But did not turn out that way at all. I would argue that they even looked worse in the second half somehow than the first half. Yeah, it was just not a good second half. Not a very entertaining second half either, really, to be honest. Um, Until, of course, stoppage time, because there was so much stoppage time, Hmm. Ivan Toney had time to strike. And to be honest, even with scoring there uh, in the 98th minute, he probably should have had two. But Mm. Ederson actually did a really good job this match, I feel like. He did, he did. To have two goals scored on him, wasn't his fault at all no saw that ortega masterclass in the carabao cup didn't he um because yeah as i said chelsea had their chances in that game but uh ortega came up big and ederson also came up big in this game but wasn't enough this time right. so a uh, tough one for city and it's making it a title race it's the first time that i felt like we really are going to have a title race um because arsenal then go into the break of course they won uh, beat Wolves easily, and those are the types of games where it's like you feel like they would have a lull if they're not going to keep it up all season, but now when they're winning those type of games, you feel like they're going to keep it up all season. I think we're going to have uh, a title race. I still do believe City will win, of course, but uh, for the first time, I really feel like there will be a good title race this season. Which I... Well, it's really going to come down to January because Arsenal has the two big hurdles to deal with. World Cup being right in there, mm-hmm. messing up their flow, mm-hmm. and then as well as getting through the January transfer window, what changes are going to be made. If they get through that and they're still at the top convincingly, City's in trouble and they're going to have to hope for something good to happen for them. Absolutely. Um, going from the top to the bottom, Bournemouth battered Everton. Um, twice, actually. Twice, twice that is true. The they did it in, in the, the Cup league. and then in the league. Um, what I mean, what does that say, though, that they battered them twice? Because Everton, you know, were finally playing well at the beginning of the season, right after last season's terrible uh, outing and just barely avoiding relegation, thanks to Lampard. And now you thought, okay, Lampard's on the upswing and he's doing well with the team and their improved defense. And then they get battered by Bournemouth uh, multiple times within a week. The question I have simply is, which team is going to finish higher in the league now? I mean, Everton, this is not a good result at all for them. But mm. 
I just feel like Everton's been a bit more consistent than Burnmouth has. It mm. feels like Burnmouth's results have been a bit random. And I feel like during the second half, you're going to see that even out a little bit more. And I think Everton's just going to edge ahead. Right, because Burnmouth right now 16 points uh, through 15 matches. Everton, 14 points through the same number of matches. But uh, even you look at the goal differential, mm. and Everton's on negative 6, Burnmouth's on negative 14. Yeah. So I just right. feel like it's a bit telling that Burnmouth's maybe performing above what they should have. So. Right. No, I, I, I agree with you, but it is also uh, concerning for Everton. Mm. Um, concerning for Chelsea, losing to Newcastle, but not concerning for Newcastle, another team performing uh, better than anybody could have imagined, sitting comfortably now in third place, aren't they? Uh, Chelsea falling all the way to eighth. I mean, I can ask you the same question, I guess. Who finishes higher between Newcastle and Chelsea? Because normally you would think, well, Chelsea are going to bounce back, but I don't see any slowdown from Newcastle. No, I think Newcastle's going to be... I'm not quite sure if they'll finish top four, but I think they'll at least be in that top five pushing for top four. And I don't think Chelsea is one of those teams that's going to be challenging for that. So I think Newcastle is comfortably finishing above Chelsea this season. Wow, comfortably. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it's it's hard to argue with at the moment. Um, Newcastle are in top form, many of their players in, in top form, and uh, getting that win against Chelsea, obviously at home, but a uh, very nice goal, winning it, by the way, by Joe Willock. Of course, it was Miguel Almiron cre creating it, coming off of the right wing, uh, and then falling into the path of Joe Willock, who absolutely banged it uh, past Mendy. But, yeah, uh, incredible game there, uh, but only 1-0. And then we see an incredible game, of course, between Spurs and Leeds with a ton of goals, seven goals in that one. Uh, and it was Bentoncourt rescuing it with two late goals for Spurs. They were down 3-2 to two with an 85th minute, something like that, and then come back and win it 4-3 thanks to two late goals from Bentoncourt. Yeah, I mean... It was just very action-packed game. Leeds mm -hmm. came out with their attack that's just been really good this season. Yep. Or in general, Leeds has always had a pretty good attack, and it's been defensive problems that have cost them, and I think that is very obvious with the 4-3 scoreline. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, they always play open, whether it was under Marsh or Bielsa, um, who has, by the way, been linked to Bournemouth this week, which I'd love to see him back in the Premier League. Um, but, yeah, of course, Leeds is playing very open, uh, expansive football, and it's going to create very entertaining games with a lot of goals. Uh, and we saw that here. Uh, the two first goals of the game, by the way, uh, our two Americans were both involved in. Aronson got the assist on the first goal for Leeds, and then Tyler Adams gave up the first goal of essentially against Harry Kane, got bodied by Harry Kane there. Um, it, but then, yeah, Betancourt saving it. So uh, a big win for Spurs trying to keep pace with the rest of the group like we were talking about earlier. They still are in uh, fourth place now on 15 points ahead of, or sorry, on 15 games ahead of Manchester United who are in 14 games uh, with that three points. So if Manchester United win their game in hand, of course, they're level. Um, but... Yeah, it's just important for Spurs to find ways to win like this because if they are losing to Leeds, then they're not going to be making top four, right? 
Right. And especially because they want to keep pace with those top three right now, which mm-hmm. is Arsenal, City, and Newcastle, mm-hmm. who really aren't showing too many signs of slowing down. Of course, City dropping to Brentford, but very occasional blips, and Spurs is going to have to keep it that way as well if they want to compete with those three. Absolutely. And then uh, on Sunday, it was Manchester United needing a, a stoppage time goal again, uh, for this time from their 18-year-old Alejandro Garnacho. Um, I mean, what do you have to say about this kid? 18 years old, scoring a winner, uh, the youngest to score a winner for United since 2009. He's did that, right, of course, 10 days after becoming the youngest non-English goal scorer in major European competition uh, mm. since the great George Best. So putting yourself in a sentence with that man. I mean, what a what a 10 days for Garnacho. Yeah, he's definitely had quite the rise for United mm-hmm. this season. Uh, I think he'll gain a lot from showing up this quickly in their lineup and probably be a crucial part going forward, but time will tell how good he'll be. So, Absolutely. It's, it's exciting for United, though. Obviously, we want to downplay it as City <laughs> fans, but uh, it's big for them to have young products because that, uh, for a long time, was M- Manchester United built themselves off of it and, and having the mixing the you know experience with the young uh, and so they need that um, and it's good for them to be able to find it Ten Hag uh, using looking to capitalize on it um, but with that we hinted to it last week and now we're bringing it to you this week the Premier League goal of the week debate Aubie what is your goal of the week in the Premier of course, League of course my goal of the week it has to be Sir Philip Foden's left foot in strike but I've been informed, may not be yours. It's not mine. I think, um, you know, it was a fantastic goal, and I think you can put Joe Willocks also in that category of just stunners, um, individual goals. But I love team goals. And I think that, you know, if I were to pick a singular goal, it would be Phil Foden. But I'm picking a team goal, and that is Ben Kerr's winner for Spurs. I think it was a beautifully worked goal with Kulisevsky and his 1-2 with Harry Kane down the right wing and then f- plays it in for Betancourt. It's the easiest finish possible, of course. So it's I get why people <laughs> would say, well, it's not an incredible finish. No, it's not, but it's the work uh, from Kulisevsky and especially Harry Kane with that touch to win it for Spurs very, very late on as well. Fair enough, but... Not changing my mind. <laughs> I didn't expect you to. Um, but something that I change in my mind every weekend is FPL. Um, I continually think I'm going to do something different and different. So we have to check in on our FPL. We haven't done it in, in a few episodes now. Um, but going into the World Cup break, we're going to check in. We have a ton of people in our FPL league. Uh, go in and join our league um, if you haven't already there's it's up on our pages somewhere um but i'll be where do you sit right now uh overall uh with and and also within our league uh overall i'm a 1.8 million mm-hmm. not looking that great 1.8 million that's good enough for 18th in our 18th. league right now and, and how many points is that though total that's uh 850 or 865 okay so i'm about just under 100 away from yeah, yeah, yeah. You got a sizable lead there. Yeah, well, I think that I have to have a little bit more experience in FPL than 
uh, you do. You have more experience in the, in the tournament versions, like the UCL and, and maybe the World Cup. Uh, I don't know if you want to if we're gonna do those. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm lucky enough to sit fourth right now in our league uh, on 950 points, uh, which you know I will take right now because it, it's been going up these past couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I now have an overall of, in the 105,000. Um, so I think you know. That's better than 200,000 than I was at a, a while ago, but I'm trying to get, you know, better. I, I just um, edged out of the top 100,000 last year. Uh, of course, I was a top 50K two weeks away from the end of the season um, and then flopped. I, I bottled it, didn't I? But now, trying to get back in the top 100K uh, this season, hopefully I, I can pull that off and hopefully you can get uh, back into that top million, which I think it will be an even easier task, honestly. think we can move on to the big one world cup it is time for the world cup predictions absolutely we can start with the big one avi who's your winner of the 2022 world cup i mean they've underperformed in past tournaments there's so much talent on this team it's gotta be brazil wow okay (laughs) What's the what's the reasoning behind that? Neymar is going to have an incredible tournament. What what's going I on? I think I think Neymar is going to have an incredible tournament, mm-hmm. and I think that even though Brazil has underperformed in past tournaments, they just have so much talent with this squad that it's finally time for Brazil to return to the top. Yeah, with Vinicius, they just have so many weapons. Mm-hmm. Defensively, they're solid in the midfield. They're good. Uh, that's I think a, a good pick. They are definitely a threat to win. But as you're wearing your Brazil jersey, I'm wearing my Argentina Lionel Messi jersey for a reason. It will be Argentina and Lionel Messi finally lifting a World Cup in his final attempt. Uh, Obviously, I want him to do so and cement his legacy as the greatest footballer to ever live. Um, But I also believe that Argentina are good enough. I believe uh, all over the pitch they are very stacked. I think they have youth, experience, and everything in between. Um, so I, I'm picking Argentina to be my winners. Fair enough. I think it's a pretty good pick. But yeah, I think I think those two, and then maybe uh, France would be the other big competition. Maybe you could throw in some England, some Belgium, some other ones like that. All right. Well, I think we can move on to the other. Mm-hmm. We got a, we got a lot of categories Who do you here. Have? Golden boot. I. I'm going for the Englishman Harry Kane. Um, you know, I think that England are going to rely on Kane for a lot of their goals, and I think that they are going to play a lot of games where it's maybe 1-0, 2-0 to them, and so that's going to you know benefit Kane. Uh, they don't have you know a necessarily tough group comparatively to other people I would have picked. Like I was considering, of course, Romelu Lukaku, of Belgium, I think he's also somebody that is going to score a lot of goal, a lot of percentage of goals for his team, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it would be good, but I think that group is a lot tougher, and then I think they'll both make it, you know, similarly far. Um, so yeah, going for Harry Kane. Obviously, everybody also knows how much I love Harry Kane and rate him as a player. Uh, so that doesn't hurt. But what about you? I mean, it's it's not a bad pick, and maybe I would have considered it, but I actually don't have. 
England going to the semifinals, which means mm. that's going to end up with five games as compared to someone who makes it to the semifinals, regardless of their winning or losing that, they will be playing seven games in the tournament. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to have to go with one of my final four teams. That comes from Argentina, the main man himself, Lionel Messi. Oh. I think he does get the golden boot. Okay, there we go. And it also helps that he's in a relatively easy group, in my opinion. Yeah. I think he could rack up some goals early on that helps him. Yeah, I think that's uh, what a lot of people forget about when they're talking about the Golden Boot is the group stages. They think, how far are they going to go more than the group stages? Um, and I think the group stages is where a lot of the goals can be racked up. Messi may do so. The reason I didn't pick him is I think um, the goals may be spread around. Obviously, I picked Argentina. Um, and I think he can be, you know, getting a lot of assists as well. And so it's, you can't be getting gold when you're getting assists, yeah. right? Um, and with that, I could say that's why I'm picking Lionel Messi for my golden ball prediction. Uh, I think he is obviously the best player to ever live. I think he is still, in my opinion, the best player on the planet. I know that is debatable uh, at this point, but... Uh, in one tournament, there's no player I'd rather have on my team than him. And if Argentina are going to lift the World Cup, there is no doubt that he would be winning the Golden Ball. And in similar reasoning, with my winner being Brazil, I'm going to go with Neymar. Neymar, of Golden course. Ball. Of so. course. Yeah, he, he sh if Brazil are going to win the World Cup, he will be winning the Golden Ball. So it makes sense. Um, but... Do you then also have the goalkeeper for Brazil winning your Golden Glove? This is one I've debated about. And even on my notes here, I still hadn't chosen. Mm. And that's between Allison and Emmy Martinez. Mm. Because I think as well, with that group stage being pretty easy for Argentina, I think they could potentially end up with three clean sheets if yeah. they play their cards right. So... I think I'm actually going to go with Emmy Martinez. Wow. I think he's going to have a big tournament. Yeah, I, I think he absolutely could. Um, as you can see right here in my notes, I, I almost went for Emmy Martinez, and I almost went for Jordan Pickford hmm. um, because I, I also, like I said earlier, I think 1-0, 2-0 wins is what England are going to do um, pretty much the whole way through as far as they can get themselves. Um, whereas I think Argentina can score more goals, and by – you know, byproduct don't need to uh, prevent as many, uh, and that isn't to say that the team I picked didn't couldn't score goals in France. I think Hugo Lloris will be the uh, Golden Glove winner. Um, I just think you know France will definitely make it far in my opinion, and uh, easy group as well. I think they'll rack up clean sheets in that two, two, and potentially even three uh, clean sheets in that group stage, and then you keep going uh, further. Um, and I think Larice continually is one of the most underrated goalkeepers in the world. So, yeah, it, it could could go Emmy, could go Pickford, but I'm going Larice. If it if it had been Mignon instead, I might have been tempted to pick that, but mm. I don't have the same confidence in Larice that you do. Yeah, I I think he's a very good goalkeeper. I do. Um, I think he's been underrated for basically his whole career, um, whether it be club or a country. Uh, so yes, I I like Mignon, but I'm not. I, I'm my confidence isn't uh, hindered at all by having it be Larice instead. Um, but one of the more interesting ones I think is the young player of the tournament award because this is one that is definitely harder to predict, um, but also uh, just has a lot of players that are available to win it. So who do you have? 
Well, I will say one interesting thing about this award is that because it has to go to a player so young, right? There's not a lot of options on the teams that I think that we've had That's going a, far enough. Right, right. If you want the actual predictions, you'll have to look at our social media and check yes. out those predictions. But I believe that we don't have anybody that's getting that far that is loaded with a lot of young players to pick mm-hmm. from. There's some that are on that roster, but probably not playing a huge part. Yeah. There's more teams like Spain and England and Germany that are going to be having the young players that mm-hmm. are competing for this. I'm going with Jude Bellingham. Ah. I think he's just been having a great season so far, and I think he's going to translate that form into the World Cup. I think he's going to be a key part for an England midfield that well you don't have them going far do you no still wins it all right yeah so he's that good in the short time that england are there i mean i think they still get five games okay i think that's enough to showcase his ability yeah and i think because of the lack of players qualified to win that award on the teams that i have going that far Mm -hmm. that i think he'll he will get it right yeah If if a player like vinicius were still eligible he would i think be everyone's pick um of course you have to be uh under 21 years old at the beginning of the year to be eligible for this award which is the the first one we have picked the same player i have jude bellingham as well i rate him extremely extremely highly i think um he's just a player in midfield that is so tidy and rarely if ever has a bad touch uh makes the wrong decision he's very very intelligent for his age uh, just in general as well. Um, so, yeah, fantastic player. I do probably have England going a little bit further than you. Um, but, yeah, Bellingham is, is a fantastic player. I don't have enough confidence in Spain going very far to have, um, you know, pick one of their youngsters or, or something like that. Um, but, yeah, with that, we can finish on our last one, the hardest prediction, I think, of all. Absolutely. Goal of the tournament. Who does it go to? We know it was Benjamin Pavard last uh, tournament with his absolute stunner against Argentina. Um, but what? who do you think is going to score the goal of the tournament this time? I mean, it's a really difficult for one for me. And because I picked Neymar to win the golden ball, I think he might have something crazy enough in his pocket he that he's going to pull something out that's going to win that goal of the tournament. Of course, it's... It could go anywhere with this award, but I think I'm going to have to bet with Neymar on this one. Absolutely. I think that's the best way to go is just pick somebody who not only is a a fantastic player like Neymar is and will score some goals, but somebody who has some flair and can do it in in a fantastic way, as Neymar obviously does. Um, To that effect, though, I picked Lionel Messi. I mean, Mm. I think he'll score. I I didn't pick him for my golden uh, boot, as you did, um, but as a... We both picked our golden ball winner to win our goal of the tournament because those those are the, the players that we think will have the best tournament, right? And so if they have the best tournament, they probably score a pretty nice goal, uh, especially those two. Um, but yeah, that can finish up our predictions. If you want, as Abby mentioned, our predictions for the group stages and uh, going forward, those will all be on social media. We will post a, a full breakdown um, of that uh, on YouTube the day before the tournament starts, um, once they're all up on our social media uh, as well. Um, and we will also have a full USMNT roster breakdown coming at you on Wednesday, so in or, or Thursday, sorry, just in a, in a couple days uh, after this is released. 
Um, so keep your eyes peeled for that as well, um, because it is time for the World Cup, which means that uh, we have to prepare for our game of the week, which of course will be the U.S. versus Wales, yes. the opening match. Um, but before we end up our episode, we have to f- finish on our game, our moment of the week. Excuse me, um, Abby, what was your moment of the week this week the, in the world of football? The crazy moment of the week that I picked is Ashton United, a non-league side, mm-hmm. has submitted a 28-day loan approach to City for Erling Holland. Because <laughs> why not? It's going to be World Cup. He's probably going to be at City training, going under strict, you know, whatever training they have him working on. Right. But, you know, maybe they want him to get some game experience. Throw it out there, throw that offer out there, have him go rack up, you know, 30 non-league goals in three or four matches would help your goal differential. <laughs> I'm sure they haven't gotten a response for, from they, City then? They have not gotten a response. <laughs> I wouldn't expect sure one. they will. <laughs> I wouldn't expect one. That is a, a fantastic moment of the week. Um, mine, though, alluding to that USA-Wales game coming up, uh, it is Gio Reyna, of course, the USMNT and Dortmund winger, uh, he has now passed his father, Claudio Reyna, for Bundesliga goals. Uh, he's now scored eight goals in 65 Bundesliga games for Dortmund. His father, uh, of course, had seven in 74 appearances for Wolfsburg in the Bundesliga. Of course, he then went to the Premier League for none other than Manchester City. Um, but he... Who knows? Who knows what the future holds? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but... Uh, yes, he is, of course, as well, on the roster for the U.S. men's national team for the World Cup. Check out that video when it comes out, and come back next week for the Game of the Week, USA versus Wales. We'll cover that in depth. See you then.